Hey there, friends. I am Ryan Henry, and welcome to 180, where we get to share absolutely amazing stories of Christian transformation from around the world. I'm talking every stage, every age, every region, from a homecoming queen to a witch doctor. I mean, these stories are just so, so exciting. And you can find us at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E 80podcast.com. And please, would you just press that share your story button and maybe you'll even be able to be a guest on the show. Through freshman year of high school, I started thinking about God. I want you to change my life. Who are you? Coming to me. I see mom praying to you and mom tells me, You speak to her. To her. To her. To her. Born after the horrific genocide in Rwanda, Shema Innocent knew poverty, hardship, and brokenness. But when his mom found Jesus, Shema's world was about to change, and he would go from a troubled teen with an attitude to a redeemed Jesus follower, wanting everyone to know about God's miraculous grace. Welcome to Shema's 180. Shema, welcome. Thank you so much for, for joining us on 180. You excited? I am really excited and humbled to be here. <laughs> Dude, I just can't wait to jump into your story. But before we get there, we got to ask you a random question, okay? Yeah. Okay, so if you were to open up your own store, what kind of merch would you sell? Good question. I would say probably coffee. Really? Yeah. Coffee with a picture of you on it, on the bag, uh, maybe. Well, not 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 my face. <laughs> just the name of my company. Uh, <laughs> my country is known to have one of the best coffee worldwide. Actually, I think we are number fourteen worldwide. What seriously? I'm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Oh, I'm a, I'm an avid coffee drinker, so I'll have to try some some of your coffee. Hey, I'll get you one from Rwanda. Okay, come on, man. Uh, next time I go. That's great. We'd like to go back to the beginning so that our listeners can get a really good picture of what life was like for you. Yeah. Um, and you coming from Rwanda, you want to start where you grew up? I, I don't know if you are, many people know about this, but 1994, Rwanda had the worst genocide. I wasn't born at that time. That was 1994. I was born 1996. This was 1994 in July. It only lasted for three months, and they killed a million people using traditional weapons, such as machete, holes, knives, like any traditional weapon you may think of. It was really a horrific moment. Hmm. The whole country was affected by it. No single family which has not lost a person. Hmm. According to, to to the statistics, every family was affected by this, and this genocide ended when many young people came together and formed an army. They started the liberation war. The war started in, in April. It went on until July, and when the war ended, everything was destroyed. The country had to begin from below zero. Like literally everything was destroyed because there was blood everywhere, dead bodies everywhere. By then, my parents were living as refugees in Uganda. 
So they came back after the genocide. My dad dropped out of college. My mom never attended high school, actually. So when they came back to Rwanda, they couldn't get jobs with the government Mm -hmm. because they don't have any education. It was really, really hard because, one, you are in a country which just came out of war Mm -hmm. and everything is destroyed. Two, you have two young kids you're trying to raise. Hmm. You have no job. It was absolute sadness. Hmm. Uh, my dad would walk sometimes like 10 miles looking for a job and he couldn't find any. Sometimes it would be hard to provide three oh meals gosh. a day. There was poverty. I don't know all this, but I, I love my mother. She, she is my best friend. So she tells me some of the stories of my family. When I was born, my dad was an alcoholist. He would drink like all night, come back in the morning. Mm. And he would mistreat my mom. And this was a heavy burden for my mother, who, one, she's a stay-at-home mom. She doesn't have a job. My dad is looking for a job, stressed out, depressed, trying to raise a family, but he's drinking too much. And he brings all this anger and stress and dumps it to my mom by beating her or being rude. My mom decided to divorce him because it was too much to to handle. She picked me up because I was a baby by then. I think I was one year. She took me in the village to live with my grandma and she went back into the city and she worked so hard. She made a little bit of money my dad was still drinking. And my two brothers were always asking my father, where's mom? We no longer mm-hmm. see her, where she at? This hit my dad so hard and he decided to stop drinking and to get back on his feet and pick up the role of being a father and a husband. Wow, wow. Yeah. Life in the village wasn't easy. Like, Can't I, don't, imagine. I don't remember most of the things I don't know why this, but I remember I see this image every time I talk about my life in the village. I think I was probably by then like three maybe. Okay. But I remember crying. I was hungry. It was late at night. I was hungry and my grandma picked up a bunch of papers and lit them on fire and she had a metallic cup, tried to warm up the milk by by putting it on, on, uh, on the burning papers to give me milk to drink. Mm-hmm. And she told me that's how she did it. I was like, the brain is just um, amazing to keep that image. Yeah. That is, that is the only thing I remember of me as a child. Wow. Everything I know, they are stories they tell me. Yeah. So during the period of divorce, my mom living with his brother, my dad started begging her to come back home. But mom was like, I told you once I leave, I'm never coming back. Hmm. I, I, I told you so many times to treat me as your wife and respect me as your wife, but you never did all that. So I'm never coming back to you. Yeah. Mother kept on trying for probably 
two years. And one day, mom became a Christian. She gave her life to Christ, and she was the first in my immediate family to be born again. Wow, wow. Yes. At this time, when she became a Christian, she knew the Bible says no divorce. And she had to accept to get married again to my dad. He was like, please, God told me if we get back together, our marriage is going to be nice and we'll receive a blessing of, of married people. Hmm. Mom was like, yes, I can take you as my husband again. So now they agreed to get back together. Our family was going to be reunited, I think, after a period of three years. Hmm. I was still in the village at this time. I was about to be four. My mom brought me back into the city. They tried to put me in school. We were living together. And this was still when my dad was very poor. But the good news is he had stopped drinking. Yeah. So every money he was making, he wasn't spending it on beer. Yeah. He was trying to save and care for his family. Mm. Yeah. But living in a family which is full of love from your husband and hypocrisy from your sister's in-law, it was really heavy for my mom. Actually, there is a point where they stole her clothes and they think they took them to the witch doctor to put in some black magic. Mm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All that, God is just amazing, man. No matter what yeah, they did. It sounds like it. No matter all the challenges my mom faced, she forgave them and she loved them. Mm. And she gave them what to eat when she never had enough. But it reached to a point when life was so hard for my family and we got kicked out of the house. We thought we were going to sleep on the street one night. But my mom went and begged his uncle to give us a, a place to sleep. It was a three and a half bedroom. And we were living in that house when we were like 15 people. Wow. Yeah, we, we would put mattresses in the living room every night because we didn't have enough rooms. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still my dad never had a job, but mm. by God's grace, we had food on the table. Mm. I don't know how he did it. My mom had crazy faith, maybe. And I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah. Because she had another child, my young sister. When she was a baby, she would put her in the back, walk like two miles to go preach with another group of people. Wow. <laughs> They brought revival to a whole neighborhood because they would preach and probably 300 people in that neighborhood came to Christ. Wow, that's amazing. She was like, I saw God moving in the midst of my poverty. Your dad would go on streets looking for a job and I would go preaching because yeah. that's all I could do. Yeah. And she said, when life became so hard, she was praying one day and God told her, someday your kids will study in America. And mom was like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can't even afford enough food and tell me they're going to go on a plane and overseas. Right, right, yeah. 
But she kept the word the Lord told her. Yeah. And she told it to my dad. Now, dad was like, well, you know we're poor. I don't know how that's going to happen. But in the midst of all that, dad always tried to put us in school. Thanks for tuning in to 180, brought to you by One Way. Make sure to follow, like, and share our show with your people. Now, back to the show. Now, here comes my story. When I went into school, we had three grades in one class. Wow, yeah. We never had books or pens. We had a small chalkboard, probably a size of a paper. Mm-hmm. We would take notes, rub it off, put in a in a small backpack, go back home. Okay. Now, I had a disability growing up as a kid. I couldn't read or write until I was probably 10. Mm. I think it's something similar to dyslexia. Okay. All I know is I could never spell the word mama or write my name or read anything. Wow. Now, you have my family which is struggling financially and you have this kid who has a learning disability. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure on you. The more I think about it, it blows my mind to know the goodness of God upon my life. Yeah. You have this kid who had a tumor but never died. When I was a child, when I was a baby, in the midst of all financial crisis my family was facing at the moment, I developed a tumor at the back of my neck. They couldn't afford surgery. They couldn't afford any treatment. Mm. They thought I was going to die, actually. But my grandpa was a Christian. Yeah. He put me in his hands and just prayed for me, believing God would heal me. Then, as time went by, they, they thought I wouldn't live long enough, but the tumor went away. And 25 years later, I'm here talking to you. <laughs> Come on, man. That's so good. The same kid has a learning disorder. He can't focus in class. He's not able to read. He can't write. They try to do everything in their poverty to school me because my dad believes in education. My dad went in a country called Burundi. He lived there for three months. It was a long time. When he came back, he started making a little bit of money. I went from a public school to a private school. Mm -hmm. I was this crazy kid, man. (laughs) Now I was growing up. I was being rebellious to my mom to my dad, to my grandma, to my teachers. One day they told my mom I had a mental illness because I couldn't listen. I was this rebellious kid. You can't tell me what to do. I do what I want when I want and how I want. There's a time in life when my mom would yell at me and there's a point I almost beat my mom. Wow. There is a time in life I actually... Man, I'm like, God, thank you, I never did it. My yeah. grandma was, was yelling at me, and I walked over to grab her throat, and she was like 80 years old. But as I was walking to grab her throat, I tripped on an iron sheet, and it cut my, my toe, and I couldn't reach her. And I'm like, God, maybe that's you trying to prevent me from killing my own grandma because you never know what would have happened. Yeah, yeah. It was so bad. I cut my cousin using a knife because she was angering me so much. Yeah, at one point, I had suicidal uh, thoughts Mm. because of the pain I was living in, the poverty and all 
that stuff, not having a fine childhood. After finishing primary school, I went into high school. And when I was in high school, I became addicted to pornography, which really messed up my life so bad. Mm. And for some reason, my mom always told me, Shema, never, ever, ever sleep with another woman apart from your future wife. I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do we have to have this conversation? You know, like the awkward conversations between mom yeah. and, and their children. And yeah. like, I don't want to talk about this with you. <laughs> <laughs> but she told me that like almost every week, every month. And I wasn't a Christian, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But from there, God is just amazing. He protects us from things like we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And to my surprise is... Every time I tried to sleep with a girl, it failed. I don't know how. Hmm. I would hear my, the voice of my mom speaking right through my ear. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't do this. No. <laughs> yeah. And that's even before I was born again. Even though I was addicted to pornography, all into that scene. Yeah. Through freshman year of high school, I started thinking about God. God I want you to change my life. Who are you? Come into me. I see mom praying to you and mom tells me, you speak to her. Like, I need you, God. Now, there was a revival at a local church. And I really wanted to go, but I was in a boarding school. I had to sneak out of school to go to church. Not to go drinking, but to go to church. Hmm. When I went to that church... Hold up, let me back up a little bit. My friends were like, Shema, you're about to turn 18. You have, we have never seen you go crazy. We go dancing. Well, you know, you, you never drink, you never smoke. You're still a virgin and all that stuff. They were like, you need to go at least drinking one night tonight. You know, you're, it, it's your 18th birthday. That was like two weeks before. Okay. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's go crazy. The advice of friends, gotta love that. Yeah, but... <laughs> Two weeks before my birthday, I started hearing about a revival meeting at a local church. (laughs) And I felt the urge of going to to that revival. Yeah. I went to that church and they were singing this song, There's Power in the Name of Jesus to Break Every Chain. And I was there closing my eyes and I had a vision of chains falling off me. I didn't know what was happening. And... When the pastor gave an altar call after giving the message, which I still remember today, I went there, they prayed for me, and I gave my life to Christ. Wow. Two weeks before my 18th birthday. Wow. The message was about the Israelites advancing and capturing the, land, the, the promised land. It was like about from Deuteronomy 1. Mm. And the pastor was like, it's time for you to leave that desert, that sin, that, that addiction you're having and go into the promised land and go Praise God. and accept Christ Jesus to take over your life. It kept on hitting right through my heart. And I was like, I need to break these chains of pornography, anger, hatred, my past life, my childhood, wow. all that. Growing up in a family of full of poverty, full of hatred from family members, all that stuff. I went there, they prayed for me, I gave my life to Christ. 
And what, what was that like for you? I mean, at that moment when you accepted Christ, did you, did you feel anything different? Did you know that he had come? Like, how did you feel? All I saw was me closing my eyes, seeing the chains falling. But going up there, the, the pastor praying for me, I felt this joy. I was like, God, I give you my life right now. Wow. I can say it's the best decision I ever made all my entire life. The joy mm. I have, I can't find the right words to use. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It mm. was the best moment of my entire life. Mm. <laughs> I felt the presence of God filled inside my heart. I felt uh, so, so happy, so joyful at peace, at ease, and I was, I was like, God, just take over my life and come live inside me. Yeah. I felt like the best thing was happening to me right then at that moment. It was amazing. It was so wonderful. It was exciting. I felt the joy of God in my heart all over me. I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me, mm, speaking inside me. It was, it was just wonderful and, and a powerful moment I had with God over there at the altar. Wow. From there, we went back to school. And when we went back to school, I went back to my sinful pornography moment. And I was like, God, what just happened? I thought we had a moment. Hmm. Then... I felt this voice telling me, if you're a Christian, but you don't walk according to my ways, you don't pray or read my word, then you will start to feel like you're being drained. Yeah. It's like I was missing something. And I made a decision to go into fasting. Because I grew up seeing my mom fasting like 20 days, 40 days, five days. I was like, oh, no, I'm not my mother. I'm just going to do one day. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, God, I'm going to come seek you with all my heart. I picked up my Bible, went and prayed, and read my Bible. That day, I didn't know what had happened to me. But I read my Bible every day, prayed every day. And the more I read it, the more the Word of God kept on filling my heart. Mm-hmm. My life changed. I never told anybody I was a Christian. But I said, God... I want my character to reflect who I am, who Mm -hmm. you are in my life. Mm -hmm. To my friends, to my parents, to my mom. A few months later, people were starting to wonder who is Shema. I went to a school where I was suspended twice because of bullying and cheating in an exam. But my professors were like, who is this kid who was rebellious, all, always in trouble, always in the dean's office, the principal's office. Hmm. And now he's here being one of the best kids in school. <laughs> what has happened to him? And I told him, it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus that, that, all the way, That's man. it. It's Jesus yeah. who has come into my heart. Praise my God. My friends started hating me and they wouldn't want to talk to me, but I was like, I've got good news for you. The same Jesus who changed my life can change your life too. From there, I, st- I started preaching. 
from my high school. Yeah. To a small 40, 20 students. The crowds grew to 200 students. Whoa. I would like, I would really preach to a bunch of students. And I saw kids' life changing through what God was using me. <laughs> in the same school where I was suspended twice, I started yes. preaching the same crowds. Come on, man. they knew who I was and I wasn't faking it. Yeah. My yeah. mom was wow. like, Whoa. My, my mom was like, who is this kid? Yeah. Last semester, he wanted to fight me and fight the grammar. And now he's here taking responsibility. Wow. Being a good child. And I said, Mom, I didn't want to tell you guys that I'm a Christian. I wanted my character to reflect who I was. Wow. From reading the Bible, from praying, because when you read the Word of God and walk through the Word of God, then you will see the change in your life. It's like what Paul said, we are letters read by everybody. I yeah. wanted everybody to see wow. the Word of God in my life your through life my actions. Is, yeah, your life is a letter. Just, I mean, think about that. Yes. that. It makes us wonder, and for our listeners, it's like, what if, if your life was a letter and people were to read it, what does it say? Exactly. That's what I wanted. I wanted to people to see God walking through me. Yeah. From there, I felt the calling of God upon my life to go into ministry. And I got so scared, but I said, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I will do because that's the best way I can live. I want to live for you, God. Yeah, yeah. I decided to go into ministry training and... Sometimes I I came to Chicago last last semester was my first year in Chicago and I I've been working with uh, Pacific Garden Missions. It's a homeless shelter. I have pushed there like a few times, and I have seen about twenty homeless people giving their life to Christ. Wow! Praise La- God. Last night I preached to about one hundred and thirty people, and I saw five people come coming to Christ. And I was like, God, I just ask you one thing. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be rich. Make me your vessel, your instrument. And I need you to pick me up and wash every dirt that is inside me and blow through me like the way Joshua blew into that trumpet and the walls of Jericho fell down. Wow. I want you to blow your word through me. And Jesus. People will be chained by your word when Praise I preach God. the gospel. Wow. That is my number one desire for God's calling my life. The best thing I can do for God is just serve him. He has given me his salvation. I have seen God change my family. We, st- yeah. we still have challenges sometimes, yeah. but seeing the faith of my mom, seeing from where we came from, seeing myself right here. When I was this kid, people thought I was going to die. I wasn't going to make it, but here yeah. I am today. Yeah, I wasn't able to read or write, and I can speak two <laughs> languages right now. It's just a blessing to it's me. It's such a blessing. God has been so gracious and has been so good to my life. Amen. And I feel my reward for my salvation in this world is to stand and proclaim the good news. 
Come on, man. That's <laughs> so good. You know that song? All my life you have been faithful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's like your, that, I love that song. I, yeah. I break down every time I sing that song. Okay. So, so let me get this straight. Okay. Mm. So, you know, you're caught up in this addiction, you know, pornography, you realize you're lacking something. You've seen your mother as a Christian. Remind me, was your father a Christian at that time? No. He was not. Actually, until today, he's not. Okay. But, but you go to this meeting, instead of going to get drunk on your 18th birthday, two weeks beforehand, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go to this, this revival meeting. You give your heart to Christ. Couple days mm. later, you re, you relapse. You go back into the old sin, but then you feel this call on your life that you need to obey God to take mm. it seriously. You start mm. to fast, and as you start to fast and pray, the power of God starts to move in your life because you become basically what you eat. You know the old saying: mm. "You are mm. what you eat." You know, mm. and so you start to eat the word, digest the word, and all of a sudden you see this big change. And, you know, and your character, you become this letter of Christ to those mm. around you, this beautiful fragrance. And so, I mean, it's so powerful. Then I want to know, though, how did you get, what happened for you to come here, to come to mm. Chicago and become a part of Moody? Now, when I finished high school, my dad was struggling financially actually at the moment. And I didn't want to come to America at all. But mom put me on the side and said, son, in 2000, I was praying and God told me you would go overseas. Maybe God has a blessing for you in that country you don't want to go. Because he said you're going to America. And that's when you was a baby, you was a kid. Hmm. And I said, mom, but I don't want to go to America. At least I would go to Europe. Plus, dad doesn't have money. How am I going to go to Europe? He said... Never, ever worry about money when God speaks. Leave it to God. I don't know how it happened. When I applied, I was like, okay, mom, I'm, I'm going to do it. You're my mother. I love you so much. I'm going to yeah. do it. When I tried to go to Europe, everything was failing. Every door I tried to knock onto was closing. Yeah. But the moment I applied in the U.S., I was admitted immediately. Hmm. And I don't know how God did it, but my dad made money to send me to the, into the U.S. And when I came in the U.S., I lived in Kentucky for two and a half years going to a community college. But if you ask me, how did he get the money to send you to the U.S.? Honestly, I can say God provided the money. Yeah, okay. At that point, he was, trust me, like the government came after us. We lost all the money we had because my dad was now working and making enough money. But we lost everything. Like, we went back to zero. But when I finished high school in that year, dad made enough money to pay my tuition in America. Wow. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Grace and when I came to America, I went to Kentucky, and he paid for my tuition. He paid for my food. He paid for my rent. He paid for everything I needed. I don't know how he did it. This is the same father who used to spend all of his money on alcohol. Yes. And it's now great. he's spending his money on his son. Praise God. To go God. overseas. That's what you call favor. Pursue what God. Now, when I came in America, I went into a business school first year. I hated it. I started to feel lonely, sad, depressed. I, was, I felt I was chasing the wrong thing. I changed it. I went into psychology. 
And living in a foreign country for the first year, it was a challenge for me. I felt lonely. I felt depressed somehow. My family was overseas. <clears throat> yeah. I felt missing my home country. Yeah. And I wanted to fly back. And I called my mother. I was like, Mom, I think I want to come back to Africa. I feel like... I don't know. I don't know what God told you, 2000, <laughs> but I, I want to come back to, to Africa. But mom said, God has a blessing for into that country. I don't want you to. I was like, can I probably go to Europe? If God wants to bless me, can bless me from Europe. I said, son, I'm done talking to you. You do you. <laughs> you do you. That's yeah. good. <laughs> but I tried to go to Europe and again, it failed for the second time. But from there, I decided to settle in America and see what God is going to do. That's what I decided to do. So I lived in Kentucky for probably two years. Now, the longer I lived here, the more connections I made, the more friends I made, and I started to realize God was blessing me into this country. And I started planning for my future ministry. Now, something happened last year. Last year, the church I was going to, Kentucky, I knew the pastor. I knew his family. We had a conversation. We sat and talked. He said, Shema, God has a plan for your life. I know you love ministry, and I know you're a Christian. And I want to let you know, whatever ministry you want to start, my church was going to partner with you, and we want to see what God's going to do with you in Africa someday. Wow. And I said to remember and realize Mom's saying this is going to be where you will find your blessing. Wow. Yeah. And I felt like Abraham, whom God called to leave Yule, his country, to go to Canaan. Mm-hmm. That is how I felt, like inside me. And he told me there's a school called Moody Bible Institute. They train mm-hmm. ministers. I want you to go there, get your training. But I said, what is Moody? I never heard about Moody before. He said... I know you don't have enough money, but they, the school is free. And I said, uh, hold up. <laughs> Education in America, first of all, is expensive. If you tell me the school is free, then it has to be a scam. What uh-huh. is going on? He <laughs> said, no. They give scholarships depending on if you deserve it, like if you merit. And uh, I was like, okay, pastor, I will look into it. Yeah. I went home. I sent in an application. I was like, he's my pastor. You know, I'm going to respect him as a pastor. And to my surprise... I was admitted like really fast. And I said, maybe God wants me to go to Moody. And I started making research about DL Moody, about the school. And to my surprise, it was a legit one of the best schools <laughs> of the Bible. <laughs> so I decided to move to Chicago last year for fall semester. And, and when I were. came to Chicago, God, I've been in here for one semester so far. God has blessed me so much. (laughs) I go preaching once a week. And like I told you, I have seen about 20 people come to Christ. Praise God. And I said, God, this is where I was supposed to be all along. Mm. I understand what you told my mom in 2000, (laughs) me coming in America. Wow. Come on, man. It's so good. Yeah. And you know, it's cool is that the Lord is doing something amazing. And so to know your backstory and what God has done to bring you here, a man of God who's passionate for the gospel, it just makes my heart 
just burst with joy and gratitude. And there's so many people who really need to know the gospel. And I, so I'm just thankful that you were obedient and here you are, you know? Wow. What a yeah. story, man. Wow. Amazing, amazing story. And I just know that this is just the beginning for you. But I, I just want to ask you, our, before we have to go, our last question. If, we could, if you could go back to the Shema, the, the guy before that revival meeting, mm. you know, right around that time you had that choice of, you know, are you going to go out and celebrate for your 18th birthday? If you can go back to that pre-revival meeting Shema and mm. say something to him, what would you say to him? That's a tough one, man. I didn't think about that. I would say God has a lot in store for you. Don't give up on him. Trust in him. I know he still has a lot in store for me right now. I don't know what he has, but I feel that what I would tell Shema, don't give up on God. He has a lot in store for you. Beautiful, man. Before we leave today, would you pray for your people? I know you have a heart for your people, your home yeah. country. Would you pray in your native language for them? Mm. Oh, yeah. Let us pray. Uzamure <laughs> Bajendera Munzira Zaina. My man, the Queen is a guard for pub. Uganda, the gender Munzira Zaina, my man. Isn't a Jawe, the Comeza Kuganza, the Sigrehej Rupapa, the Musina Jayasu. Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. What did you pray just now? Just give us a summary. A summary. I said, God of Rwanda, the God of my people, I pray that. People will get to know about your son, Jesus. Yes. I pray that you raise up a young generation which fears your name. A generation of future politicians who fear your name, God. A generation yes. of teachers who fear your name, God. Yes. And I pray that your gospel will be spread across Rwanda. Mm -hmm. I pray that Rwanda will be a nation which fears you, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Come a summary. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, Shema, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been so good listening to your story, man. You are a blessing, and I can't wait to see what God does in your life. Thank you so much for hosting <laughs> me, guys. I love you so much. Yeah, bless you, brother. Bless you. Thanks, Ryan. How about your story? God wrote it, so it's already awesome. Why not share it? We want to hear your 180 testimony. Check out our website to see how at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E 80 podcast.com. We'll help you put your story together so you can share it. We've got thought-provoking writing prompts that will get you started. And of course, we'd love your follow, review, and share of our show. Our send-off today features a one-way scripture song. Email us at storiesat180podcast.com. That's O-N-E-80podcast.com. And we can send you this song for free. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. 
Production of One Way Ministries.